the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We're into the second hour of the show. Congratulations for making it through the first hour. It's a lot less focus on the election. I'm going to let that play out as it should. Um, But I'm going to start moving on. I'm going to start looking at business models and what's opening and what's not in the economy. When do we see things back to normal? Wall Street is okay with gridlock. Wall Street has historically performed well with gridlock. Um, The last time we really had – this feels very similar uh, to the Clinton presidency where he was put in power and – The Democrats fought with him pretty aggressively in his first two years. And ultimately, that led to Republicans coming in to Congress. That was probably the most successful period of time for the stock market in the last 30 years, 35, 40 years. Um, The stock market did better under Clinton than it did under Reagan, George Bush Jr., George Bush Sr. Uh, Bill Clinton was, was kind of the man if you... Look at the president versus the stock market, or do you also throw in the president and the Congress versus the stock market? And I think in the Bill Clinton case, you do have to look at how Congress was positioned to ultimately not get a lot done. So Wall Street's jumping on this news. Now, Wall Street's got a couple more good things this morning. It's got Qualcomm having solid numbers. General Motors didn't collapse and die and have a heart attack. They had good numbers. So Wall Street's got some things that it's finding, like it's, it's, it's holding on to. Voters valued Uber and Lyft's cheap rides over employee rights. I love California. We love trees. We hug trees. Oh, we want cheap rides. We're very, very liberal until it comes to our cheap rides. And when Uber and Lyft said, we're going to raise rates probably by double if we have to pay these guys corporate taxes and social security, if we have to pay into their health care fund, if we have to cover them for sick days, we are going to send those rates higher, guys. So if you want to go to a restaurant from one part of town to the other part of town that you live in, we're going to double you. So Uber and Lyft, uh, they've opened the door legally across the country. They're going to face similar issues in Massachusetts and New York, but because they got Prop 22 through in California, And if you can get Prop 22 through in California, you can get it through anywhere in the country. The other two bastions of liberal thought, New York and Massachusetts, they're going to fight it. But if you get it on a a ballot initiative, rock, scissors, paper, I think people want cheap rides. And so that ballot was 
precedent setting. And I give California a lot of credit because we do kind of set the precedent sometimes. I remember years ago going, those damn hippies in California banning plastic bags. I need my plastic bag. They're charging 15 cents for them. They're charging 25 cents. Then they flat out ban like, and then pandemic comes and they're welcome back plastic bags. <laughs> like that's kind of funny, right? Takes a pandemic for California to love plastic bags. Uh, Qualcomm earnings came in really, really solid. So um, the markets in, are in a very positive place right now for a lot of reasons. Um, the blue wave never materialized. And I, I'm not trying to be political. The Republicans lost only one Senate seat and even picked up a few seats in the House. Again, it's kind of cliche that gridlock is good for the markets, but gridlock is good for the markets. Ultimately, it looks like Biden's going to become president. And because the Republicans have the Senate, he'll be a weaker caretaker. Um, there's not much in a way of a mandate other than get some stimulus, help the economy right now. We don't know if we're going to go into the 21st century writing the internet mandate, if it's going to be the clean energy mandate, if it's going to be, let's improve the infrastructure of the United States and make America great with bridges and roads and, and airports. There will be spending of the sort that Republicans in the Senate approve of. So they're going to be watching the dollars. Um, the polls were wrong by a lot yet again. Republican Susan Collins, a U.S. Senator from Maine, managed a decent victory over her challenger, but she trailed in every single poll, every single poll going to the election. So polling has to change. I don't know. I don't want to get too much into that, but I don't know what to say. Um, everyone seems to be breathing a sigh of relief when it comes to how we're looking at Wall Street right now. I feel better this today than I did this time last week. It, it's been, I don't know if COVID made me tight. I don't know if the election made me tighter. Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like almost as if I got a massage. Ah, oh, doesn't a massage sound good right now? I know it's early. It's early. Um, <clears throat> so Biden's apparent victory creates gridlock, which I'm saying is good. It helps the tech companies think that they're not going to get in the month before the election, the Democrats roasted uh, Facebook CEO, they roasted Google CEO, they got Apple in there. And they're like, you guys are monopolies. You're act, you're abusing your power as if you're a monopoly. And that said, if you get enough Senate, enough House of Representatives that are blue and the president that's blue, you're going to be one of our, our talking points, we're going to like regulate you boys so we can get reelected in two years. They were going to be the whipping children, and I don't see that happening now. But on top of it, um, I think, we, again, this is assumption. Forgive me if it pisses you off. It's too early to say. But I'm assuming Biden keeps Arizona and that legal challenges go through the court and Biden wins the election. What's going to be really important in the next thing is who's his cabinet? And the most important one is, in my opinion, the finance sector. Um, who's going to be his treasury secretary? 
What's the composition of the Fed Reserve going to look like? Um, you know, Trump wanted to put on someone who was going to, you know, slash interest rates, slash interest rates, slash interest rates. And ultimately he did due to the pandemic, but not because Trump wanted him to. Um, so that's the position of president has a lot of power in the direction of the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Secretary. What sort of trade deals do we set up? Wall Street's a little bit freaked out um, that Biden might put Elizabeth Warren in as Treasury Secretary. But recently he said that he will not name senators to the positions in his cabinet. So that takes her out. And that gives Wall Street a little bit of a, okay, so a worst case may not happen to the financials. Elizabeth Warren's a great person. Whether you like her or not, she's she's fighting for the consumer. She believes that banks charge too much money, that banks screw over consumers, that banks give loans that they shouldn't give loans. Banks take money away from people that should get money. She's would be the person that would be danger Will Robinson to Wall Street. So ultimately said, I think there's a big sigh of relief. The big action in 2022, when a billion dollars pours in the Senate races, will be to try to turn states from red to blue. But we got a couple years to get there, and Wall Street appreciates it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Closing in on the end of the year. I hate to say this, but Wall Street deals with problems and gets through them. I feel like I'm I'm Wall Street all of a sudden. I was just talking to my producer about like... <clears throat> Um, kind of the stress of the situation feels like it's coming down. And that makes me content and happier. But now we're going to move into the flu season. I'm getting a flu shot this week. Um, then we're going to move into the COVID and flu season. Then we're going to move into Thanksgiving. Do we travel? Do we not travel? Then we move into Christmas. Do we have enough Xboxes and Playstations to buy? Do we have stimulus? coming to us so we have a little extra money so we can overdo Christmas. Christmas is expected to be a bonanza this year because people haven't gone on vacation and they're shifting that money into bigger TVs and bigger things for their home, bigger Christmases for their kids. And boom, right there, the Xbox and the um, PlayStation are coming out with new product. Um <clears throat> So that's the stresses that I'm looking forward to. Like the, that's the next level that Wall Street's going to have to get through. And then I, I think more midterm, when do we start flying as a nation again, back to the levels that we were at this time last year? When do we start going to restaurants back to the point where it was this time last year? When do we get to those levels or kind of a midterm hurdle that Wall Street has to, to jump over? The election was a weird one because I think we were running up to the hurdle as a country or as a stock market. And we didn't really know if the election was going to be a, a 10 foot hurdle or a one foot hurdle. And we got over it. So I, I don't know which one it is, but we seem to be moving past it. Oh, I know you're saying, give me content. Okay. Massive healthcare companies like United Health Group and Anthem are soaring 
soaring in the wake of an undecided election. And it's because an overhaul of the health insurance industry is looking less and less likely. So Cigna and United Health Group soared yesterday and day. It's clear from the election results that big healthcare policy changes are unlikely over the next four years. The blue wave failed to materialize. Cigna's share price jumped about 15%. That's not bad, huh? These big for-profit health insurance companies jumping 15% all because of blue wave didn't materialize, which is good for the health insurers, maybe bad for society because it diminishes much of the risk for a public option, higher corporate taxes and comprehensive drug pricing reform. When you look at the drug pricing issues across the world, it will make you scratch your head. Like why does Canada get cheaper Viagra than the United States? Why does Africa get cheaper Viagra or cholesterol medicine or what have you than the United States? It is kind of weird because you'd think one pill, $1 or one pill, $5, you know, a blue one costs five, a white one costs a dollar. You would think that it, like, it's just a pill. It's not how it works. And it makes people insane. So one of the stocks I want to talk about today is Disney and how they're having problems with bloat because of ESPN. For years and years and years, they would get money for putting ESPN on cable television. Every subscriber paid $4. And then every they, they raised the price to every subscriber had to pay $4.50. And this went for the, the grandmas who never watched sports. If, they, if grandma had cable TV, grandma was paying for ESPN. And then they were like, ESPN got greedy, and they came up with ESPN2. And they got greedier, and they came up with ESPN3. And college ESPN, college ES, uh, ESPN Replay, ESPN X. They came up with too many freaking fragging channels. And it reminds me a little bit of Ted Turner and CNN. Ted Turner was vilified in the 1970s and 1980s as he was called the mouth from the South. He was called Captain Outrageous, Terrible Ted. He was big into billboards, which is weird because you don't think of billboards as that's how you make your empire, but that's how he made his empire. He then went after a TV station. He became a small cable TV operator. He then used satellite compatibility to make a local TV station a super station. TNT rose to power. And eventually he came up with the idea of CNN, Cable News Network, which it was not an instant success. But again, a lot like ESPN, everyone, for people who only watch sports and never watch news, they had to pay a buck 15 to have CNN. And then he's like, well, I'll give you CNN too. Or buck 35 just add 20 cents to it so he kept building and building and building and what was interesting was he did it with debt people thought he was insane the way he would throw more and more money into losing situations so the superstation was his big success back in the mid 70s tnt and if you ever watched TNT back in the days, all they ever showed was Andy Griffith and Green Acres. Green Acres is, and then Atlanta Braves baseball. And it didn't make any sense because you have cable TV and you're flipping through. You don't like, you're like, I don't want to watch ABC, NBC, CBS. And you're like, oh, I don't want to watch ESPN. I don't want to watch CNN. And you got to TNT and you're like, why are the Braves on? <laughs> why is Green Acres still on? Um, so he was doing programming 
and he was getting you to pay for it through your cable subscription. And then he came up with the idea of the all news network. HBO in the 1970s broadcast the famous Thrilla in Manila. And when he started seeing satellite sports and what, what was essentially a news event in South Africa, in Africa, and the ability to deliver it around the world, he's like, I should do a, a news station. And that's exactly what he did. And what was funny about it was all his business advisors said, Ted, you're crazy. You're going to go bankrupt. Ted, you're crazy. You're going to go bankrupt. Um, CNN began with 1.7 million subscribers, far less than projected. The station did attract a few advertisers. They got Procter & Gamble and General Foods. My dad watched the station just incessantly. I was like, Dad, I want to watch something else. But it, it's a great – he was gutsy, and he, he – he grabbed debt and he consumed debt and he built and built and built and built and he became a billionaire. That's a guy who did it right. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, but then again, it got too big and it didn't need to downsize. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So, a divided government spells good news for growth stocks. I'm going to leave it at that. It dampens concerns over tech regulation. It probably means a smaller stimulus package becomes more likely. Which I question stimulus packages. You question stimulus packages. You may have social concerns. I may have fiscal concerns. We as a nation have different angles on it. Drug stocks and health insurers have a lot less to fear. That's what I'm feeling the vibe is saying out of Wall Street. GM's operations earned $4.3 billion in the third quarter, up 44% from a year earlier. Seeing that GM has been bailed out by the United States government in the past, and airlines have been bailed out during this pandemic, when you see a company earn a couple billion, you're like, you better save some of that because we don't want to bail you out again. I'm not a big fan of GM. I love Mary Bear. I think she's one of the greatest CEOs of, uh, not of all time, but like if I had baseball cards and you look back and you're like, wow, that Hank Aaron was a great player. Look at his first baseball card. Oh, it says that he went to a high school and it says that, you know, he grew up here and you'd be like, you'd wow over the facts on the back of the bubble gum card, right? Mary Barrow would be on my, you know, greatest CEOs. I want to come up with bubblegum packs where you can do trading cards as CEOs, economists, and Wall Street strategists, and financial media hunks like me. No. <laughs> but we, we, uh, otherwise, I like the idea. You remember the gum you'd get in baseball cards? It was awful. Awful, I tell you. Uh, General Motors shares jumped after truck sales delivered big earnings beat in the third quarter. Great CEO, but the one problem I have with GM is they've got 
someone knows somebody whose grandfather worked for GM and he's still alive and he's still collecting a pension. That's the problem I have with GM. It's not that they're nice enough to pay old people money. It's that they have to. So part of that new car, part of that new truck that you see rolling down the street is going to pay for someone who has been retired for 45, 50 years, which again, socially, I love the idea work for a company for 30 years and they'll take care of you for 30 years. Except for grandpa lived an extra 50 years after he quit uh, or retired. And that's where it becomes a huge liability. And I, I take it off the list. I'd rather have Tesla who doesn't have that. The, Tesla's like, hey, we got a 401k, but we're not giving you retirement money for free until uh, after you die. Like, we're not guaranteeing that. Good luck. Your 401k is going to be tied towards the stock market, which is a concept I want to talk about for just 10 seconds and I'll drop it. Because corporations are giving us 401ks to take care of our retirement, politicians can't let the stock market crash. Or not for long. We got to take care of our older people is the thought because A, they're voters. I know you're saying you're really cynical. It, it's in the best interest of governments to keep their stock markets healthy. That's all I'm going to say. If I, Am I saying the party's rigged? Yes. The party has a DJ that wants the music to go until 12 o'clock and then end right then. The party has uh, someone, you know, taking care, a caterer, taking care of the food, making sure it's uh, it's not too much, it's not too little. It's got to be nice. It's, it's a nice buffet. <laughs> Are we ever gonna have buffets again, or has the buffet died forever and ever? Stocks are surging as post-election rally continues. Dow up 600 plus points. Whole Foods CEO says store managers could make well over $100,000 without college. That's pretty interesting. Whole Foods being acquired by Amazon. You think of Amazon as, eh, how shall we say, uh, not known for making, giving employees unlimited wealth, even though their CEO seems to have unlimited wealth. So Whole Foods, every employee knows what everybody else is making. It's a practice they called wage transparency. It is tied towards a concept of how to succeed by being authentic. You have to do it very carefully and very slowly. But their CEO is going out and saying store leaders or store managers are paid $99,000 per year. And they're kind of saying this is what this is transparent. I like transparency. I always have and I, I really still do. Alibaba continues to grow, aided by strong Chinese recovery, yet the stock is falling right now, in large part because they own about one-third of Ant Group, which tried to come public but couldn't come public because the Chinese government intervened and halted a $27 billion IPO. Alibaba owns about a third, which uh, was founded by Jack Ma, Alibaba's co-founder and co-executive chair. So he is going to be one rich man who gets even richer when Ant does come public. But that's a situation where Ant is eventually going to come public, I believe. I don't think China's going to shut them down and say, okay, we have this global player, but we don't want to show it to the world. I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm interested because it got kind of got sloppy there and it created a little bit of value in, in Alibaba. Am I too late to jump on it? I'll, I'll take a look later today. But that's a kind of a situation where nothing happened wrong at Alibaba. 
nothing is inherently wrong with ant group in the long term. Um, but I have to take a look just in case something different truly happened to the valuation of ant group. Like if it was a, a event changing kind of thing. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we talk about. Uh, Neo is a electric vehicle company. So is a company called Hylillian. <laughs> You're saying, did you just make that up? Um, no, it's a heavy duty trucking company. Stocks up. It's a commercial electric van maker workhorse. Um, is a player ev is hot everywhere right now lordstown motor tickle symbol ride workhorse sticker symbol wkhs high lillian hyln uh fisker fsr all plays on electric vehicles and there's tesla um it's very much so in fuego right now I would say maybe you want to own a basket of these companies so you're playing the theme electric vehicles versus an individual stock. Will they beat Tesla or not beat Tesla or will they be the Tesla of China? Like, I don't know what's right for you. So you have to figure it out on your own. Um, but electric vehicles very hot right now. And what what Tesla has is an ability to sell electric batteries and to make electric batteries more so than the ability to sell $100,000 vehicles. The $100,000 vehicle is funding their research into batteries and solar and other areas, energy conversion. They have the raw materials to deliver. They've got the infrastructure to deliver. And they're doing it through their, their expensive vehicles, but the truth be told, don't just look at the car. Look at what the company can put together. Um, I didn't like Tesla when they were losing a ton of money. I didn't see a path to profitability. And then it happened. It's there. They've had five quarters of profitability. I think they're going to have 55 quarters of profitability. Because the toughest part was getting there. And a lot like Ted Turner kept throwing money after money after money at CNN, at uh, TNT at the Atlanta Braves at CNN two at uh, the short version of CNN CNN headline news international CNN he eventually had something that was worth billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars but while he was doing it, he was doing it with a lot of debt same thing with Tesla I was wrong I kept looking at the cars like well they just make cars in the end GM manufactures Tesla manufactures I missed it totally missed the the bigger picture that they were a component play and a battery play more so than a car play. The car is great, it's just, but it's gravy on everything else they do. I don't know if you're tracking with me, but that's my segment that I dedicated completely to electric vehicles as don't be afraid, just play it as intelligently as you can. Qualcomm is seeing gold in the sales of their chips for 5G. They have made nice with Apple and they have made nice with Huawei, the Chinese Cisco systems, essentially, for lack of a better word. Qualcomm's climbing steadily today. They're going to sell millions of its chips for 5G phones as people upgrade their phones. Qualcomm's an interesting company because they went heavy into the intellectual property of semiconductors and patents. 
and they've pissed off people. They would come up with a semiconductor and call it the cell phone semiconductor. And anyone who has a cell phone has to pay us the right for using a cell phone semiconductor. They overdid their patents to the point of pissing off the whole industry, but they do have some really good patents, excluding some of the silly ones. Revenue climbed 73%. Revenue climbed 73% year over year. Last year, no pandemic, they did well. This year, they did 73% better in the, in the heat of a pandemic. Very profitable when I said they go after intellectual property and patents more so than physical semiconductors. They'll license the technology to you and you can build it. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I don't know if it's the stock market going higher or what, but it feels, or the election being over, I don't know which one of the two has caused me to feel a little less tense right now. And again, I don't think the election's over in final counts. I think the election's over as far as election day. I voted ballot boxes. Will there be riots? Will there not be riots? Just the the stress of the whole reporting on it. It feels like it's lifted a bit. Markets opened higher today. It's a big day again. It was a big day yesterday. Um, and I think ultimately the, the market's saying, hey, we have low interest rates and we have a, a divided Congress again. And we don't know about the president, but it's the divided Congress that you know says a lot's not going to get done. I know, go tell that to the Supreme Court as far as a lot not getting done was pretty, uh divided Congress, right? Doesn't quite work like that, Rob. But the Russell is up 200, uh, 2.3%. The NASDAQ's up 2.4%. The Dow's up 2.19%. The S&P 500's up 77 points. And again, that's following a very positive yesterday. Uh, but let's keep perspective, shall we? It's also following October and September that were miserable on Wall Street. So you got to keep perspective. We made it through Election Day, and it's like that movie, the uh, Titanic Down or whatever. One of those disaster films from the 70s where a building would catch on fire and become a towering inferno, or maybe one of the Rock San Andreas movies where California is breaking apart in an earthquake. Um, or the one where the rock is in China and a skyscraper, or the one where a plane like crashes into the water and floats to the bottom of the ocean. And yet somehow most people die and yet two or three people end up alive. And the end of Die Hard where the cameras, you know, pan on to the good guy who lived, he made it through, but the building's on fire. The building's burning. That's kind of how we feel right now. We made it through. I, that's the feeling I'm getting. <clears throat> Healthcare and communication stocks were up huge yesterday and day. Tech stocks, big. Financials fell yesterday pretty aggressively. And 
what's good for the goose is not always good for the gander. So financials don't really like the low interest rate environment. They're going to have to merge and acquire each other to create efficiencies, in my quick opinion. Wendy's reported quarterly earnings before the opening bell yesterday, and the hamburger chain beat on earnings but missed on revenue. Again, in the world of investing through the lens of business, all I care about in fast food is Starbucks and McDonald's. Everyone else can go to HE double toothpicks. Like, I don't need them. I got, that's my cat, that's my list. Uh, Cheesecake Factory was a cute investment in the 1990s. Um, you know, first time you ever ran into a Cheesecake Factory, you were probably on a business trip. And you're like, what are we going to do for dinner? What's close to the hotel? And you didn't have a phone to look up like good quality Italian restaurants around the corner. So you were like, let's go to the mall and find something to eat. And you ran into a Cheesecake Factory and you're like, holy mackerel, the portions are huge. It's $12. Like... I could get a chicken piccata that's huge with all this wonderful, delicious bread, 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 bread. Yes. So in, when I see Wendy's, I am like, oh, that's cute. They've got a chicken sandwich that's spicy. Oh, that's cute. Like, but I'd never jump over the cliff and say, I want to buy that stock. Again, McDonald's or Starbucks. And I'll, I, at one point in time, I owned Pete's Coffee when they were public traded. Caribou Cop. I've owned other players. Some of them I did well with. Some of them I did a push. Some of them I did poorly with. But I don't see the point in when you're talking. Let's let's put money to the table. Qualcomm, just a stunning result after hours last night. Um, and the stock's pushing higher. I own shares of Qualcomm. I talked about it probably three years ago on the show, and. I'm not gloating. I don't make a lot of mistakes on this show because I don't take a lot of chances. Um, if that makes any sense. It's up 17 bucks today, up 13%. 13% when the market's up 3% tells you they had a really good quarter, right? Um, in the last year, they've gone from 80 bucks a share to 140 bucks a share. In the last five years, they basically stayed around 50 to 70, 50 to 70, 50 to 70, 50 to 70. And then about two, three years ago, they were suing Apple. Apple was suing them. Apple saying they're they're abusing their licensing technology, which is the goose looking at the gander or the, cup, the pot calling the, the kettle black or whatever that phrase is. Um, and they were suing each other. And. Apple wasn't going to pay Qualcomm royalties. They're holding money back. Qualcomm was going to sue them and it got nasty. And then they went to court with each other and they go, I've seen this before. When big tech companies go to court with each other, they tend to settle. Most court cases from what I've heard, and again, don't use this in your own life. Most court cases tend to settle because a lawyer will get to you and say, calm down, man. You don't want to go in front of a judge. Take the plea bargain. A good attorney says, don't go in front of the judge because judges get pissed off when you're in front of them. Judges want to save their court time for important cases. They don't want to hear about you doing a, oh, I had one too many beers and I decided to drive. Make a plea bargain before you get in front of the judge because when the judge hears your story, he's not going to be happy because he wants more important stories than yours. And that's what happened between Qualcomm and Apple. And that's when I, I told everyone to buy it. I said, I'm buying it. There's a story down the road called 5G. And right now the stock is, is being, its growth is being retarded 
like a flame retardant, a stock growth retardant by a lawsuit with a very high profile company, Apple. Apple needed Qualcomm and it still does for the next five years. I'll change my story on Qualcomm in about three years. I don't know what the story will be, but that's when I'm, I'm looking to refresh it. You can find me online at Rob Black Show.